Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. One of our own, Serena Vasquez, is getting a heart. The donor is an 18-year-old boy from Buffalo. The incision time is 9 a.m. There's been a complication in the OR. Serena Vasquez is dead. You can't waste a heart. It goes to somebody else in this hospital. It has to be beating by 11 a.m. We need to be prepping someone else by 9.30, the latest. Talk about getting thrown into the fire on your first day. Then sort through the matches and make a decision. Our first patient is Janet Pike. The idea of having someone else's heart in her body is disturbing to her. Yet she's still listed. You want Walter to have the heart. Walter has the right disposition. If I get rejected again, just let me go home. Third match is Trip Granger. His father's Emmett Granger, Granger Venture Partners. When I heard about that heart, I couldn't help but think that God was looking after us. We can agree to disagree. $25 million. We picked Trip, and we're saving much more than one patient. I spent 10 years of my life on this committee. Suddenly there's money in the equation. We've got this guy looking over our shoulder. Trying to figure out what a day of life is worth. It's always been about maximizing assets. Unfortunately, the assets happen to be human organs. You haven't disclosed everything. You're lying about your health. You need to name a successor. It's blood money. Let the committee decide that. We take it and we put it to work. They have to cut another deal to keep this quiet. Dr. Taylor, you're the decider. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 376. Out now on digital is The God Committee, a medical drama that focuses on an organ transplant committee as they debate which of two patients deserve a life-saving heart and how the ramifications of their decision affects them several years later. Featuring a terrific cast that includes Kelsey Grammer, Julia Stiles, and Coleman Domingo, the God Committee delves into the important issue of organ donation and transplantation and does so with compelling storytelling and stylish craft. And joining me today is the writer and director of the God Committee, Austin Stark. Austin, I thank you so very much for joining me today. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, you know, it's really interesting. This film is the adaptation of a play, um, off-Broadway play. I think it came out back in like uh, 2006 or so. What was it about the the play? Um, like, I, I believe you actually already uh, like received ID for the film. You didn't see the play and wrote it yourself. You, you know, producers got in touch with you. What was it about that script that you received um, that really kind of uh, resonated with you in regards to the themes of the film? Yeah, well, I had actually, um, it was interesting because years uh, before I was sent the, the, the play, I had heard a story about a wealthy man uh, who was very sick and he needed an organ bribing a hospital uh, in the Northeast in America for a new organ. 
Mm. And I, that, that story kind of blew me away. And I, I just, I had no idea that, that, that kind of thing could happen and it stuck with me. And, um, when, when Ari, uh, Ari Pinchot and Jonathan Rubenstein, uh, two of the film's producers sent me the script, uh, it just came rushing back. And I, and I knew that I wanted to be a part of it. I also felt like the play was, was fairly compelling. And I really appreciated the way that, uh, Mark St. Germain had set it. The play was set all in the boardroom mm-hmm. and done a great, which is really difficult, you know, to, even though it is a play, but he, he kept it moving and it was really compelling and brought up some, some, some issues that, that really made me think and, and expanded my, uh, expanded my knowledge on the organ transplant system. Um, you know, it, not only was it insightful, but I learned a lot and, and was shocked in many ways. As I mentioned before, that play came out in 2006 and, you know, I, I believe you were um, in production on this film, like filming in 2019. Um, yeah. So that's a, like a big kind of gap right there. Regarding the the, the film, the technology of, of organ donation, organ transplant, et cetera, that's a big gap between. I'm sure there's been so many leaps and bounds between the time the play was, you know, out to the by the time you started shooting. How, yeah. how far how far into kind of like researching in regards to that aspect of the whole kind of organ transplant, organ donation world do you go into and how much does that kind of frame uh, does the story that you make? Because while that film is set, uh, the, the play is set in the ballroom, your movie has a different structure, um, has leaps of time, um, and it's set in different kind of places and areas as well. Yeah, I mean, from a macro perspective, I, I wanted to put my own stamp on the material and make it my own. And so... I, I was planning from the very beginning to, to update it and, and really to, to make it more cinematic as well, because obviously mm. you're, you're adapting a script. But beyond that, yeah, I did, I did a lot of research. I worked with um, a couple medical consultants on the script because I did want um, that side of it to be as realistic as possible. Like I wanted to make the most realistic uh, medical drama that's ever come out. And so I paid very close attention um, to that side, but I also, as you as you alluded to, I also expanded the script and created another storyline that is framed around xenotransplantation, which is essentially um, it's it's essentially uh, transplanting organs and tissues cross species. Like mm. so, um, there's various companies, uh, the most famous being eGenesis. E-Gen- uh, where they're growing humanized organs in pigs because pigs have similar sized organs to humans and trying to use gene editing technology to get the human body to be able to accept the organs. And because rejection, like organ rejection is the biggest problem with, uh, with being able to, to, to transplant organs across species. And so there's, there's various companies that are trying to crack this technology. I think it's really interesting. And it's, I mean, it's a big business. I, you know, you can invest like, you know, on the stock, on the stock market, there's various companies using CRISPR technology, which is essentially, um, which is what they're using in order to, uh, in order to try to crack, you know, transplantation. And so I felt like that was very compelling of itself and organically it fit with the framework of, of Mark's story. Yep. And sort of, um, it felt like very much in the same world, and 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 
And I felt like I was creating a more expansive look at the organ transplant system by including that. <laughs> the, stru the structure of the film is really interesting because you, sh you see the events that are happening in that ballroom and then you see the ramifications of these decisions like several years afterwards. Um, coming up with that kind of structure there, that's, that's really interesting to me because in many ways it feels like that these actors are playing dual roles. They're playing the same characters, but the differences between the two timelines is so is so different between them. Kelsey Grammer especially, I mean, that feels like he's playing two different characters in this sort of way. That's a really kind of interesting way to put the film together. Yeah, yeah. And I, th I think that's, that's part of the reason what attracted them because they are different characters and they've, they've arced, uh, you know, because they are set seven years apart. Their characters have changed so much throughout the course of those seven years. And on another level, I just find it interesting how, you know, structurally, how the past is constantly informing the present and vice versa. And so I made sure that when we're cutting back and forth, that there's, whether it's a, a plot link or a thematic link, that, that those two timelines are, are always linking up together and mm. feeling cohesive. And so we're learning things, which I think is, is, just, a, is just a compelling way to tell a story. Um, we're learning things about uh, the present from the past and vice versa. And just on a more thematic level, I just think it's, I think it's interesting how our decisions, how, how these how decisions that we make can have such a great impact on, on our lives and, and many other lives as well, which is, you know, what we explore in the film. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by 80s Tees. 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favorite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books, and musicians. Celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is also brought to you by Voodoo. Watch the latest movies and TV shows anytime, anywhere. No subscriptions, no contract. Enjoy stunning quality in up to 4K ultra high definition at home and download and watch on your mobile device as well. To rent and buy from over 100,000 titles or watch thousands of movies free with Voodoo Movies on us, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. Interesting. I remember a quote that you said uh, in a. Um, I think it, I think it might have been when you were doing press for the runner, talking about how filmmaking is like you're essentially making three different films. You have the script, and then you have the filming of the movie, and then you have the, the editing of the film as well. So you are a guy with your hands in a lot of different pies. You're a, you're a writer, you're a director, you're a producer. Of those three different processes of the of the filmmaking, um, which one really kind of excites you the most when you kind of like in the thick of it is it the creation of these ideas and put them on page is it seeing those ideas come on on on, on come to life 
oh, while working with these actors, or is it afterwards when he piecing all this stuff together together, make this kind of like jigsaw into kind of like a comprehensive movie at the end of it? Um, I, I enjoy all three stages. I, I love I love writing, and I get lost in it, and I spend you know to write a script. This took me um, nine months, and I kind of just uh, I like just wearing sweatpants and sitting around and writing and creating, and that's fun, and not having to and sort of living in your own world and being disconnected from, from other people, which is nice for a period of time. But then I love being on set and, and working with actors and, and working with our crew and, 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 and trying to be a, the leader of the ship. And, and I enjoy that. And then editing where you're making a whole another version of the movie. Um, it's, it's interesting because you can really like, it has such a great influence. Like I always mm-hmm. say you could, you could have a great film and and a poor editor and you'll have a mediocre film. Right. You could have a poor film and a fantastic editor and have a good film. And so it's so important. And I, I really enjoy the whole process. I mean, the one thing I could I could take or leave is the business side of filmmaking. It's I don't think it's the the most fun uh, business, but I don't do this for money and I do it because I love it, because I'm passionate about the craft. I want to talk about uh Kelsey Grammer, who's like terrific in the movie and you know he plays the role of dr andre boxer who's kind of like the, the the chief kind of like doctor in regards to not only the organ transplantation process but also the research behind it when you're talking about eugenesis and such he's pretty much the spearhead of that whole kind of thing in the movie you know i, I think a lot of people in australia particularly know him more for his like comedic work with uh frazier and the simpsons and cheers etc he's such a great dramatic actor though isn't he that's kind of like his bread and butter and that voice as well i mean you talk about voices in the history of TV and cinema, I reckon that's one of just like the great kind of like voices as, as well that's ever been kind of like heard uh, through these mediums. What's it like uh, working with him, uh, especially since, is it true that he was actually, um, you were thinking about him to play the role of uh, Father Dunbar um, instead of uh, the, the Doctor yeah. character? <laughs> that is true. I, I do feel, and, you know, just going back to your point, I feel like he is so underappreciated as a dramatic actor. He's yeah. got some real, and and you can see it in this film. Um, but yes, we we offered him uh, the role of Father Dunbar originally, and he called me up and he was like, you know, I love your script, and and uh, I you know I could play Father Dunbar in my sleep, and I've done that, and I would be happy to do it. But what I really think would be interesting is if I played boxer. He's like, because you know I've been doing this for decades, and I've never played this character, and I you know I. I thought about it and I was like, you know what? You're right. Let's, let's, let's do it. And so that's how we got started. And he's just, he's a pro. I, he comes very prepared. Um, and he was doing this not for the money. He wasn't getting paid a lot. This is an indie film and he was doing this because he loved it and it, and it really showed and he, he worked so hard and it was, it was very impressive and inspiring. When I look at your filmography as uh, not only a writer, director, but a producer as well, you produced several films before this. You had uh, Detachment and um, in Infinitely uh, Polar Bear um, and a bunch of other films as well. There's a run through line throughout all these movies, which has a lot of these films deal with um, social commentary issues, uh, maybe even kind of like political issues, but, but very kind of moral kind of driven uh, storytelling. And in my, in my opinion, the greatest filmmaker to kind of do that was Sidney Lament. Um, you know, his movies were somebody the ones, that influenced me. For yeah, sure. and that's why I wanted to ask because his movies were the ones that got me into movies. So I remember the first time I saw Serpico on the late night when I was a teenager, and that kind of like got me into this whole thing. Like this, that's where the journey began for me. 
And this film in particular, the Gawker Media, a lot of people, um, especially regarding uh, the play and the setting that it was in, kind of make comparisons to um, uh, 12 Angry Men, which of course was Lamette's kind of first film. How big yeah. of an influence is he not only on uh, your career as a director and writer, but when it comes to um, your your studio, um, uh, Paper Match Films, is it? Um, Paper Tree Films. Paper yeah. Tree Films. When it comes to that as well, when it comes to the philosophy of the films that you make, how much of an impact does that filmmaker, Mr. Lamette especially, have on you as an artist and the person who, who, want, who makes stories for a living? Yeah, I, I would say a great impact, especially for this film. I mean, I, I naturally, you know, as you noticed over the course of my career, I, I, I gravitated towards socially conscious films. And I just, you know, that's that's where my taste is. Um, would I do something else, perhaps? And I have as a producer, I've produced other films, but uh, certainly as a, as a director, I like doing films that um, can make people think about the world around them and, and you know, and hopefully films that they'll they'll take home with them and, 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 and feel like that they got something out of them in, in a meaningful way. Um, yeah. And Lumet, certainly Alan Pakula is, is another uh, filmmaker that I was influenced by. Um, uh, yeah. On, on this. And um, I mean, I guess JC Chandor margin call mm. is something that was, um, that was in the same world that, that certainly influenced me when I was working on this. Speaking of uh, Lumet, he's a great New York filmmaker. You are a New Yorker yourself. God Community was actually filmed in New York. I, was, I want to get a timeline right, though. 2019 is when God Community was filmed. That was just before the pandemic uh, hit uh, the States. Is that correct? That was what? That was just before the pandemic hit the, the U.S.? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, um, it was before the pandemic. And we were actually, uh, the film was meant to premiere at Tribeca in, in 2020. And then the pandemic uh uh, hit and which was really um, disappointing, obviously. And then we uh, so we waited a while and, and finally took it out to studios. And we ended up bringing on uh, Universal, uh, who's releasing the film in in Australia and many other territories, and Vertical Entertainment in the U.S. And we got a chance to premiere it at the Tribeca Film Festival this year, um, mm -hmm. a year later. So it was it was pretty rewarding. And then the film um, was rolled out shortly after that. So uh, it worked out well. What's the state of filmmaking like now in New York City? Um, is there are, are filmmakers waiting to get this stuff done there? Are they going to different states to get this stuff done? What do you think the future is going to be like in, in New York regards to getting films up and running again? I mean, it seems like every in New York in particular, it feels like everything's really getting back to normal now. And I've heard that productions. Uh, probably back to about like 85, 90% of where it was, but for Excellent. a while it was, it was pretty dark, um, but it's great to see. And, and it doesn't feel like a hindrance. Like I'm finishing a new script uh, right now that I like that I want to shoot probably um, this winter. I think spring could be, you know, I think it, it could easily be spring, but um, it doesn't feel like a hindrance at all and an issue to, to be shooting in this area. That's uh, great to hear because you know, as just in a discussion we've been having about Lament and such, I love New York-based films, some films shot in New York, so it's so excellent to hear that filmmakers are going to be able to get back in a, in a swing of things in regards to that. You know, when it comes to this whole kind of uh, pandemic uh, uh, situation and in regards to your film as well, what I find really interesting about the God Committee is that to me it almost it feels like a tribute to doctors, um, like a thank yeah. you note in a certain, certain way. 
your, your film actually begins with a collage of images from doctors. I'm going to guess probably from like the early like 1900s, perhaps kind of like in the infancy of kind of like a lot of the stuff you see now, like all of the, the, the men and women and uh, that put together kind of like the research and to, to make the innovative steps forward to get the procedures that we have going today. How much of it for you is there to make a tribute uh, not only to like the doctors, but especially in this day and age where medical staff, doctors, nurses, anyone associated with that should be kind of like a lauded and then deservedly so with all the hard work they've been doing in the last, last couple of years. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like in many ways the film is more um, relevant, at, became more relevant after COVID, even though we shot it before. And yeah. it is, it, yeah, it is a love letter uh, to doctors. And, you know, at the heart of it, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's about this team of doctors having to make life and death decisions under extraordinary circumstances. And, you know, it, the film, uh, at the center of the film is a question, like, is it justifiable? to sacrifice one life to save many. And I think all of those things we can, we can relate in various ways to COVID from, um, from ventilators to hospital beds to, to the vaccine, you know? And so even though the film doesn't deal with COVID uh, at all, obviously, because it was before that time and that's not what the movie is, uh, we could certainly relate it to, to, this, to this crazy period that we've been through in, in many, many ways. Well, the film does deal with a very pressing issue in regards to organ donation and organ transplant. I know this thing, an issue in Australia that a lot of people kind of like talk about quite a bit. And it's like a big push to get people to, to, uh, uh, to you know, offer their um, organs after they kind of pass away and such. In, in the US, how big of an issue is it there? How much of a kind of like a big push is there to get people to kind of like, you know, volunteer their organs after they pass on um, to make sure that there are, you know, life can go on for a lot of other people after some other people uh, pass on. Yeah, it's, it's a huge problem. I mean, there's 120,000 people on the waiting list. And I think it's somewhere between 12 and 17 people die each day waiting for an organ. Hmm. And uh, so it's, 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 it's a huge problem. And I think um, one of the things that I was hoping to do with this film was to shed light on how serious the organ shortage is. And if, if, if anything, I hope that, that, that people can walk away from that understanding because it's not something that we talk about very often. I don't read about it in the news, and, but it's, it's, it's a serious, serious issue. Um, and it's also, you know, why I, I wanted to shed some light on xenotransplantation as well, because if they're able to uh, solve this, this, you know, able to make that work, and, and use CRISPR technology in order to grow humanized organs and animals and be able to transplant that to people, mm-hmm. that, that will save millions of lives. Uh, it's, it's, it, that could be very, that could be game changing. And so, and it's real and they're, they're getting close to doing it. Um, and so we'll see, but, uh, and I tried to offer a, a hopeful message about the future, you know, um, with that last scene, I won't get too specific to give away any spoilers, but yeah. you know, with, with, um, uh, with that technology, and and um, that's how I feel. I, I do feel hopeful about the future. So for everyone out there listening, the God Committee available now on digital in the US and in, the, in, the, in Australia as well. Um, it's not only a well-performed and crafted movie, but it's a movie that deals with a really important issue. And I thank you very much, Austin Stark, for making the film and for, and for you know, talking with me today about the film because the more people that watch it, the more people know about this issue and then hopefully we can change hearts and minds in regards to it. 
Yeah, no, well, thanks so much for having me on, Matt. I, I appreciate it.